it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Breaking it down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, so much more importantly. Tennis great, wonderful author, Julie Heldman is our very special guest. The name of her book is Driven, A Daughter's Odyssey. You, you must get it. It is a must-read. It's a must-buy. You can get it at Amazon and anywhere else. They have great books. Uh, she's one of the original nine, and along the way, she won at, at least 20, maybe 22 uh, tennis tournaments, and she beat the likes of Billie Jean King, Chris Everett, uh, Martina Navratilova, and again, the name of the book is Driven, A Daughter's Odyssey. Julie, thrilled to have you. How are you? Doing fine this morning. How are you, Frank? Doing great, and uh, congratulations on the book. Uh, how long in the making? Uh, four solid years of writing. I have poured, poured my heart and soul into it. By the way, it's really good to be back in the New York area. I grew up in Manhattan in a way long time ago in the 50s, and uh, it's part of my soul. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's uh, everything's changed since since the 50s, but as a as a tennis prodigy, as a tennis uh, star, uh, was Manhattan a good place to grow up in? Couldn't have been worse. <laughs> I grew up in an area when there were no indoor courts to be found anywhere nearby, but there was a, a club. Well, actually, the, 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 there was a cl- club somewhat near our house at the 7th Reg- Regiment Armory on 67th, I think it was, in Park, but they didn't allow children. So my parents joined an indoor club, one of the few courts that were in Brooklyn. And a couple of times a week, I took the subway from Manhattan to Brooklyn to play for one hour. It was very different from the kids who grew up in Florida and California, where they could play all day. Yeah. I, I mean, what, do, do they usually, as a, as a young person, as a young person developing with the hopes of becoming a pro, do you usually play all day? Is it a is it an eight hour day, a six hour day? What what was it then, and what is it now? It, what was it? Well, then if you uh, if you were going to school, you played tennis afterwards, usually from three, two, three, four hours after school. If you grew up in one of the sunny areas, uh, now kids hardly even go to school. They do a lot of homeschooling. They play many hours a day. I was lucky enough to go to a tennis camp in Hamtramck, Michigan where I played about eight hours a day during the summer. And that kind of like kind of made up for what I didn't get practice for in uh, during the winter. Uh, how was your, your school years? And again, I'm not asking you to give away the book. Everyone's got to yeah. get the book driven a daughter's odyssey, but what were your school years like knowing that, that tennis is right afterwards and tennis is going to be the concentration. Uh, were, were you thinking anything else but tennis? Uh, in fact, I was. My parents were both uh, 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 had been re- done really well in their educations. My father had a PhD in physical chemistry. My mother ended up at the top of her class at Stanford. So they um, focused a lot on education. Also, I ended up I, I actually skipped 
two grades. I went to the Dalton School, which could not have been better. They gave us an education, no learn, not very much learning by rote, but loving to learn. Yeah, it's you know it's it's so difficult to talk to someone. Uh, as if they should know what it's like to, to be a prodigy. And that, that means anything. You know, anyone who's, a, a, let's say, a musical prodigy or a, uh, you know, an, uh, an actor, actress uh, early on because they have these, these dual responsibilities or multiple responsibilities, I should say, very difficult on kids. And it seems like you, you turned out great. And, uh, again, I'm going to remind everyone that just, uh, that's just tuning in, Julie Heldman is our very special guest, and she's the author of Driven, A Daughter's Odyssey, and again, a tennis champ, um, and just a, a wonderful, wonderful lady here. Thrilled to have her, Frank McKay, with Julie Heldman. But what can you tell us about the downside? It sounds like your parents, they, they had it together as far as the education goes. What do you miss out on having all of these responsibilities as a child? You know, Child development starts at a very early age where you learn how to uh, deal with the world, how you see the world through your mother's eyes. And although my parents were extraordinarily driven themselves and very concerned about education, uh, my mother ruled the household with an iron hand. She was one of the most famous contributors in the history of tennis. She's responsible for the Women's Pro Tour at the beginning and, and its first couple of years. Um, but my mother, I call in the book, and, and I, I stick with it, that I lived in the cult of Gladys. My mother was Gladys Heldman. <laughs> and it was a, in that only her opinion counted, in that she ruled with an iron fist, that she decided early on that I was the runt of the litter and I was to be screamed at and humiliated. So wow. I was able to, um, to tennis gave me the ability to be somebody to come from such a traumatic background where the world, and I mean, everybody thought that my parents were just fabulous. Nobody knew what I was going through. I've, I've written the book. I talk about it, and not a soul ever had an inkling that this was going on. And what, what ended up happening was I had to be good at everything or else I was fearful of what would happen. And I ended up doing and having sort of multiple careers. I was my highest ranking in tennis was number five in the world. After that, I became an, an, a national broadcaster. After that, I went to law school at age 32, ended up towards the top of my class with lots of honors. I then went on to being a lawyer and a business person, all because of this hidden, crazy, wild drive inside of me that I had to succeed. And what ended up happening also was that I had just all these obstacles to overcome and I just kept setting my mind after it and going after one thing at a time. And one of the things that did happen that I did not know about, didn't understand why it was I had troubles, was it turns out that I had been afflicted with mental illness, with bipolar disorder, starting at the age of 18. And during the years that I competed on the tour and, and during the years I was going so madly after success, I was also... Um, struggling with mental illness that went, went undiagnosed until I was 
50. So again, I I became um, somebody who had to succeed, but maybe not for the best of reasons. You know, you mentioned four years in the writing of it. And and again, I hate to ask the trite question, but uh, therapeutic or or torture? Uh, Very little torture, very therapeutic. Because my life had been, my home life had been so hidden and so abusive, it felt freeing to be able to tell the truth. Many of my readers have said how incredibly honest I am because I tell what I went through, including um, many of the struggles with mental illness and what it was like for me. Um, and it wasn't on a daily basis that I struggled at, at the, 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 the most extreme party where there were waves of good, uh, of, uh, of very difficult stuff, waves of functioning well. But being able to speak my truth has been freeing. Uh, listen, I'd love to have longer time with you. I know you're on a tight schedule, but wow. I mean, just congratulations on everything, not, not just tennis and your career in tennis, but your law school and your education. Uh, but dealing with mental illness, which it, there shouldn't be a stigma attached anymore. I mean, this is, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, this is you know, we're, we're heading towards two, uh, 2020s. We should understand that, that you know, it's, it's an affliction just like anything else, a disease or, or a, uh, a condition. And uh, it shouldn't be a stigma, but somehow it, it still is. But congratulations on dealing with it and and coping with it. And the book is uh, is wonderful. It's getting rave reviews. Julie Heldman, everyone, author of Driven, A Daughter's Odyssey. It, it's a must-get for, forget about just being a tennis fan, but anyone that's dealing with anything to do with mental illness and everything else, uh, it's a uh, it, it's a success story, and the success is is dealing and and getting grips on on everything. So, uh, Julie, I want to congratulate you on everything that you're doing, the book, and uh, just thank you for being here. Frank it was such a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate it. Same here, Julie Heldman. Everyone, uh, get the get the book. It's a it's an honest and courageous look at at a life. It's called Driven: A Daughter's Odyssey, and uh, it, you heard in her own words, she's dealing with uh, men- mental illness and, and uh, courageously dealing with it. Julie Heldman, everyone, has been our very special guest. Buy the book, Driven, A Daughter's Odyssey. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with Sarah Drew, wonderful uh, actress, a very talented lady, you know, from Grey's Anatomy and Everwood and so many other things. And if, you've, uh, if you haven't been watching Freeform's Cruel Summer, uh, it's a great psychological thriller. And it started out, I think, April 20th. It premiered, and it, it's, it's terrific. And there's a pivotal 
uh, episode coming up on uh, next week, and uh, it's it's a must watch. Sarah Drew here, thrilled to have her. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing great, and and your series is doing great. You're getting great response, and uh, people are enthusiastic about it. Give us a rundown for those who haven't seen it yet, and those who should go back and binge it. Yeah, so, are you still there? Yep. Oh, sorry, okay. <laughs> um, yes, so Cruel Summer is a psychological thriller. It takes place in 1993, 94, and 95, and each episode is one day in each of those years, and we're constantly going back and forth between these three years. And it really follows these two young women, um, Jeanette and Kate, on one day in each in three years on each episode. <laughs> I play the mother of Jeanette Turner and in nineteen ninety three Jeanette is sort of an awkward wallflower type. In ninety four she is the Queen Bee and in ninety five the whole town has turned against her. Um, for Kate, in ninety three she's the Queen Bee. In ninety four she's gone missing but then is found. And in ninety five she is trying to recover from the trauma of this. Their lives are completely changed and completely shattered. And you spend all this time trying to figure out what exactly happened because they both have very different versions of, of what happened during these years. Um, and it's really pitted the kind of the town against one another. So you are, uh, your, con your alliances are shifting all the time. You feel a lot of empathy for both of these women and you're just trying to figure out what actually happened. Yeah, uh, terrific. And I, uh, you know, and it, it's this is the type of, of show. It's uh, smart uh, TV. It's uh, it's well written, and the casting folks I think did a wonderful job on this uh, as well. Uh, talk about some of your other folks that are in this. I know you're all you're you're getting rave reviews and uh, from top to bottom. Uh, who are some of your co-stars? Yeah, so um, Kiara Aurelia plays my daughter, and she's just absolutely brilliant. It, it, you watch the show, and you feel like it's three different people playing Jeanette in these three different years. Her transformation between the three years is so extraordinary. She really is um, absolutely amazing. <laughs> Olivia Holt plays Kate, and same with her. She is absolutely brilliant, and her shift between the three years is also I mean, incredible. What you're really witnessing is is how gossip can destroy a community and also how trauma can uh, affect these young women. And they're both traumatized in different ways. So we're really tracking it in a, in a pretty moving um, and intense way. So, and then Michael Landis plays my husband, um, and he's fantastic. We, we had such a great time shooting this series together. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a it's a really it's a what I am totally blown away by is the talent, especially of the young cast. You know, these these kids are in their early twenties. Kiara's just eighteen, and um, the power that they have and the talent that they all have it's it's pretty extraordinary to watch. No, it's it, terrific. Like I said, it's uh, it's a must-watch for everyone. I should mention because our flagship uh, station is uh, is Li News Radio, and you are a Long Islander. And I don't know if you're there at heart, but I am a Long Islander. We, we are very proud of you. That's I am. I gr I grew up in Stony Brook. Wow. Wow. 
not a bad place to grow up. I'm in Rocky Point, and uh, you know we're not uh, we're not that all all that far from you. But I know, uh, you know, certainly during uh, uh, Gray's Anatomy and the great work uh, you were doing there in Everwood, everybody was. Uh, I, I there's all these Sarah Drew stories, all these positive Sarah Drew stories. People knew you, and you're just one of those. Uh, you're one of those. Uh, hometown heroes and uh, it's it's always nice and you haven't forgotten where you come from that's for sure no no absolutely not I haven't been back in a while though because my parents moved away but um, I had a beautiful childhood growing up in Stony Brook I love Long Island yeah well if you don't mind give us a little bit of uh, of your history how did you get started in the first place uh did you do uh school plays were you uh involved with any of the community theater how did you get started as an actress yeah yeah i mean i've been doing i was doing school plays and community theater from from as early as i can remember there was a and now i'm not remembering um the name of the theater well there was one called take one yeah. That I, I did a bunch of musicals with, but I loved, I also worked at Gateway Playhouse. Oh, wow. Um, I did their, yeah, I did their, um, like, acting classes, and then I did children's theater every summer there, and I actually understudied in the Secret Garden on main stage, and that was a big, exciting moment for me when I was in eighth grade. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just did, I just was on stage in, Whenever I could, however I could, it was my happiest place I could be. And then I went to college at the University of Virginia, and um, I I did a musical theater program in New York City uh, during one of the summers and met a casting director who started bringing me in for auditions. And uh, I booked uh, Romeo and Juliet, and it was reviewed in the New York Times and Variety very favorably, and I wound up getting to um, meet with a ton of agents and kind of take off running from there. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, when you just said that, uh, as far as being reviewed in Variety and, and New York Times, uh, it sounds like that could be like a pivotal moment, uh, a little, uh, um, uh, you know, a pivot point for you. And I how... How much, especially back then, I mean, print media was much different, especially uh, the, the two publications that you mentioned. How pivotal is that in, in you getting an agent and getting representation? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was absolutely the only reason I got representation. I mean, prior to that, nobody had seen me do anything. So I had all of these um, people. My phone started ringing off the hook when those reviews came out. And, and I was doing it... Um, at, um, at the McCarter Theater in Princeton. So there were a lot of people that came out to see it, a lot of people that reviewed it, because um, it's a professional theater, and I, and really everything, everything started. That was the moment my career started, was doing Romeo and Juliet. And in fact, we were, it, it was reviewed so well that we had producers interested in taking it to Broadway, and then 9-11 happened, and, all the, and so many theaters went dark. So it didn't happen. I, I went back to college to finish my senior year, and I got married. <laughs> yeah. And um, and then I just they I signed with an agency, and they start. And I'm still with the same agency I've been with since 2001. Well, it, well, that says a lot about you and loyalty and and consistency. I, that's that's absolutely terrific. Maybe I missed it, but what college did you go to? I went to the University of Virginia. Ah. 
Yeah, very good. I, I, you know, I was just thinking, uh, were you were you involved with Community Three? It's uh, it's one of the um, theaters around here. Was that the other theater you were thinking of, or was it a? It, it, is, is it something it's, that doesn't no, exist? You know what it was called? Yeah, it, it, it's my, it might not exist anymore. I think it was called Take One. Take One. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Take One. I I think still may be there. Um, but yeah, that's a it, it, it's you know prominent for for com- as far as community theaters go. So yeah, I have so many fond memories from Take One. I my first show there was Annie. I got to play Annie, and wow. And then I did I think Peter Pan and The Wizard of Oz, and like that was a really important community for me throughout my elementary school years. Um, I loved it, and there was one other place that I. Um, Theater Three? Yeah, Theater Three. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Theater, theater three, three. That's in Port yeah. Jefferson. Yes, in Port Jeff. Yes. Theater uh, Three, I did like Oliver, and um, I did a couple other plays with them, but Oliver was my first one when I was in fourth grade, I think. Um, and then I started doing most of my community theater at Take One. You know, it's it's very encouraging for folks listening. Uh, and if you think about it, even even back then, even with you getting Annie and getting all of these uh, these important roles, but you know, uh, roles that that uh, that a young person would get uh, as as quote unquote amateur. I, I I don't know. I mean, how how close are you to thinking at that point that you you can do this for a living i'm sure you wanted to but uh, were you confident that this is what you were going to be i would you have been shocked to see what you've done with your career you've had an amazing career and still going so strong uh it, would you have been shocked back then if i told you hey i just came back from the future and and you just did gray's right. anatomy for the longest uh run and cruel summer's wonderful and everwood I, would that have su- surprised you back then? Oh man, that's a, such a great question. I I think it it absolutely would have. I mean, it it was always my dream, always, always. I I think I wrote in my high school yearbook that my greatest ambition is just to enjoy my life and and be able to make a living as an actor. Like that that for me is what what I wanted. What my biggest dream was, I mean, I had big, I had big epic dreams too, but I didn't want to be too greedy with my dreaming, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think my, my biggest dream really was just to be able to make a living doing this thing that I love the most in the world. Um, and, and the incredible thing is that I n- I've never had to get a day job. Like, it, it, because I went straight from college and then, you know, I mean, so much of it is luck. And there's so many talented people out there that just haven't been put in front of the right person that then moves the needle for them, right? You know, I, my mom encouraged me to do Cap 21, this musical theater program in New York. I was standing and we had, and we had a, a casting director from Bernie Telsey Casting come in to do a master class with us. And I, in the bathroom, right before the master class, decided to do a monologue instead of a song. Wow. Which is what started my career. Because my monologue, my, my, I mean, I can sing, but my acting is so much stronger than my singing. And if I had just sung, I would never have been called by that office to come in and start wow. auditioning for things. But because I chose in that moment, in the bathroom, I think I'm just 
pull this monologue out of my back pocket because I know I have it. <laughs> Nobody else did a monologue for the whole. Everybody else did two songs. I was the only one that did a monologue. And uh, and then they, you know, the third audition they brought me in for was Romeo and Juliet. And in fact, I wasn't even going to audition for it because it conflicted with my fourth year of college, with the first five weeks. And the casting director, who had sort of taken me under his wing, called me directly and said, if I had to drive to Virginia and put you in my car and take you to New York for this audition, I will do that. Wow. You have to wow. audition for this. This is not, he said, this is, this is Will Chandler at Bernie Telfish. I, I get chills thinking about it. Yeah. He said, um, this is not to be taken lightly, is what he said. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll go. And then I talked to my professors, and they helped me on my audition, and they told me that if I went and if I got it, that they would, if I kept a journal, they would give me three credits. It would count as an independent study. Like, everybody, I have such an incredible support system around me. But if I didn't have that casting director sees something in me and then the other casting director from that office convinced me to come my i don't know what my career would be you know i don't know amazing how long it would have taken me to get representation yeah i'm just amazing some of the decisions we make and and even on a spur of the moment hey let me do this monologue that's just wonderful these are things i i live to hear frank mckay here much more importantly if you're just joining us or just turning on your radio a little late the the wonderful the great actress sarah drew and her latest let me remind everyone is cruel summer and it started up uh premiered on april 20th on freeform it's absolutely terrific. It's a psychological thriller, and uh, she's absolutely great. And the whole cast is is terrific, and is a pivotal uh, a pivotal episode coming up. Everybody be watching, uh, without question. Sarah Drew uh, from Grey's Anatomy and Everwood, Pride of Long Island, Pride of Stony Brook, Long Island, New York, <laughs> and Frank McKay here with Sarah. I getting getting back to that decision. Oh, we lose you, Sarah. I think we lost Sarah, but. Anyway, just a wonderful, wonderful actress. And uh, again, you know her from uh, Grey's Anatomy, uh, did over 200 episodes and counting, right, of, of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, Everwood, uh, you know, probably, uh, you know, 30, 30, 40 episodes there, very popular WB show. And, uh, you know, listen, once again, Cruel Summer is her, uh, is her latest and uh, you know, everyone check it out. It's always good to see a local uh, girl do well. And you know, and she said 9/11 happened, and, and you know everything changed. It, it, it's amazing that that someone who's had this kind of career, uh, you know, it, it goes back to 9 She had at the time of 9/11, she didn't have an agent, and she was uh, still in college. And you know, a lot happens. And I guess it's a long period of time. Twenty years is a uh, you know, is a long period of time, and uh, and Sarah Drew just kind of giving us that um, that little uh, moment uh, that uh, changed everything for her. And you know, if you if you missed it, she was uh, she was auditioning. She was uh, doing an audition, and everyone was doing two songs, and she was about to go out there and doing you know do two songs. She realized that her voice wasn't her best asset, and that her acting was. And she pulled a monologue out, and she did a monologue instead, and and uh, and and nailed it. Uh, apparently, right? Uh, you know. Uh, by the way, Mad Men. She was uh, Kitty Romano on on there, and I think there were like four or five episodes where she played Kitty. And I, I just—it's one of my favorite shows, uh, Mad Men. It's as good as 
uh, good as they come. And um, uh, listen, we, we might get her back a little bit, but we'll get her back in the future for sure. She got disconnected from us, but absolutely thrilled to have talented people. And it's always nice, especially to get some talented people from Long Island. And uh, Sarah Drew is certainly one of them. Um, Frank McKay uh, signing off. Sarah Drew, wonderful actress from Grey's Anatomy and Everwood. And once again, her latest is Cruel Summer, uh, premiered on uh, on the, the 20th of April. And uh, you can binge it. You can binge it on uh, Freeform and, and on different VOD uh, spots. And in all kinds of all kinds of spots, but uh, check it out. Sarah Drew has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Fifty Two Players. This is breaking it down with your host Frank McKay on one zero seven one WLIRFM Hampton Bays.